0: Welcome to Shift. Today, we resume our special seven-part series, giving you a behind-the-scenes look at InVentures 2022. InVentures is taking place at the TELUS Convention Center in Calgary from June 1st to 3rd. Join us and the many other startups, investors, entrepreneurs, and global thought leaders who are redefining the future. At InVentures, you can make connections, strike deals, and launch creative ideas into overdrive. My name is Alex, and I'll be your guest host for this episode, exploring the theme of taming urban jungles. The built environment, including building operations, as well as building materials and construction, generates roughly 40% of the world's CO2 emissions. The overwhelming majority of humanity lives and works in buildings, and most of them, 55%, or 4.2 billion people, live in cities. Those numbers are only going to grow By 2050, the global urban population is expected to reach nearly 7 billion people, requiring the rapid expansion of existing urban centers. The only way to accommodate this increasingly rapid shift towards urbanization, while still meeting international climate targets and ensuring a high quality of life for inhabitants, is through sustainable development. The Canadian government has set a goal that all new buildings will be built to net-zero-ready energy standards by 2030, meaning that they are designed to produce as much clean energy as they consume once renewable energy components, like solar panels, are installed. Net-zero energy buildings are expected to be at least 80% more efficient than those being constructed today. To meet that objective, researchers, technology developers, and construction companies are coming together to develop the new technologies and techniques that will make the buildings of tomorrow possible. One of those researchers is our guest today, Ben Hildebrandt. Ben is a principal investigator with the Green Building Technologies Access Center at the Southern Alberta Institute of Technology. Ben received an architectural technologies diploma from SAIT in 2013, with a focus in building development technologies, and has worked for several years as a building science technologist. During that time, he diagnosed and oversaw the repair of building envelope issues in single and multifamily buildings. He also served as a building envelope consultant on multiple multifamily and commercial construction projects in Calgary and Fort McMurray. Ben's mechanical and troubleshooting strengths stem from his background as an aircraft maintenance engineer. Today, Ben's focus with green building technologies at Sate is to oversee building and material science-related research. He also supports the development of educational curriculum to help increase the adoption of green, high-performance building design and construction concepts. Thank you for joining us today, Ben!
1: Hey, thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me.
0: So we're doing our episode today on uh, taming urban jungles. Um, And specifically, we're talking today about um, green or sustainable uh, building technologies. And I know for a lot of people, when we think about um, green technologies um, in urban areas, I think for a lot of people, what comes to mind is basically, I'm going to stick some solar panels on my house and, and maybe install... Uh, an environmentally friendly, you know, low energy requirement dishwasher. But green technologies obviously go way beyond that. So what are we really talking about when we're talking about green building tech?
1: Yeah, well, you're you're right. Green technologies do go way beyond that. I think what you described is kind of where it started at Um, almost like two decades ago is kind of when I see the green building movement kind of starting to move forward in in Canada and Alberta. but, and it did start off as that let 's let 's slap solar panels on a house and and cover our energy being produced but it's it 's kind of evolved into going beyond that and looking at more materials used in a home, looking at the impact of construction materials on the environment, both in how they 're produced, not just how much energy a home a home uses, and also we 're looking as well in in green technologies at um the impact on on the occupant. I like to, to kind of rephrase it personally a bit towards uh, sustainability, um, building more sustainable buildings that are not just sustainable for the environment, but also for the occupants. And there are so many benefits to, to occupants of these buildings. It's, it's so much more than just being more environmentally friendly. We have kind of the financial benefits of having lower energy use of these buildings. There's health benefits from having clean, properly filtered air and, and being mindful of the materials in your home and um, as well. There's a a lot that we can do at, at green building technologies. We have research areas in, um, looking at, sorry, we have, we have research areas looking into both building science, new products and, and materials. We also have, uh, energy research and environmental research focusing into, uh, water reuse and green walls and green roofs and, and really bringing the environment more into homes and on, and on, into and onto buildings there's a wide breadth of what we do in green building technologies but it's but it's really uh it's it's really a an open open range for us to see what we can do to to be friendlier to the environment and also to the occupants of, of these buildings.
0: Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but one part of sustainability is is not going to be just like how green it is, but you're also, uh, especially at the Green Building Technology Access Centre, you're looking about how durable these materials are, right? Like that's where a lot of your testing is.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm, and that's one of the things I learned is I, I've always been interested in, in green buildings since before I got into architecture. And through my years as a building envelope consultant, I kind of learned the importance of making sure these buildings are constructed properly and and durably it's it's great to build a home that has no impact or a beneficial impact a positive impact on the environment but if that home is only going to last a few years that doesn't serve anybody that well so the importance of durability is making sure materials are are built to last and these homes and buildings are constructed properly to keep the outside environment out and the inside environment in uh, to, to, to simplify it a lot.
0: Honestly, that kind of makes me think of, uh, the story of the, like three little pigs and the, the wolf. It's very environmentally friendly to build your house out of hay, but it's going to blow down. You need to make sure that you're actually like constructing things in a way that's going to last just as long, if not longer than traditional construction techniques.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we've, we've got a lot of facilities here at, at, at say, Green Building Technologies to, to look at the performance of those materials in an early development stage for different companies. We do structural testing to verify the structural performance of different ways of framing a wall or different different materials to use in a wall structure. Is it as strong as a traditionally code compliant framed wall? For, for residential buildings or, or commercial for that matter. And we also look at thermal performance as well and air and water resistance for, for those materials as well. It's, it's great the research we do to help bring these products to market, but one of the things we really want to check the box on is verifying how well these materials perform. Um, we're, we're the first stop for a lot of companies that we serve in helping them prove the performance of the materials and provide feedback to them and how they can improve them so that when they go for their first home to, to construct for a pilot house or a demonstration house, that, that they know how that material is going to perform and they haven't gone to the expense of producing an entire house not knowing how that material is going to work.
0: Now, I've, I've watched some of the videos of that equipment and it's really quite amazing to see. You're able to more or less put a whole wall in some of that equipment to test the stresses on it, aren't you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we have a structural testing rack. We can take a a wall of up to 10 feet square, stand it up. We, We can test the compressive loading, like the weight of the building on top of a wall, how that performs. And there's other orientations that we test the wall as well, looking at kind of replicating wind loading on the wall as well, looking at how much, how, how that wall structure performs in in different conditions that um, that a wall in a building would would be subject to and all the testing we do we we mirror existing um, testing standards out there, whether from ASTM or or can ulc we want to provide as as valuable data as possible to the to the companies we're serving so we we follow the existing Uh, testing procedures and methods where they are available and also the the fun place where we're in too is we get to test a lot of materials and products that they're so new that sometimes there isn't a directly relevant standard so we reach out to our network and look at available resources and and find the best possible most practical and useful um, relevant testing that we can do to provide the answers needed for those new materials.
0: There's also kind of a regulatory aspect to that as well, isn't there? Um, I know um, over time uh, with timber buildings, they've started to realize that the buildings, like the timber that we used to build with now is quite a bit different than what was used, you know, 30, 40 years ago and are starting to actually allow people to build, you know, apartments and taller structures out of wood. But it took a lot Mm -hmm. of testing and research to say, like, no, like the 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 structural wood components that we're using now can actually stand up to this
1: yeah yeah we, we like to provide support in that in that aspect of testing of proving how materials will work and and the regulatory process getting getting something that's not specifically noted or included in in the Canadian building code or the Alberta building code um, is a lengthy process And when something's not in there you can get uh, alternate solution approval through a local municipality and that takes a bit of a process and what we try and help our partners with as well is is our unbiased testing and and reporting on what we've seen for the performance and hopefully that can give a bit of assurance um, that these solutions that we're helping develop are of a lower risk and they can perform well so we can get some of those pilot homes out and in the market to prove the technologies on a larger scale, and that's really where our applied research comes in is is really doing these pilot and demonstration homes to prove technologies and ways of building and designing homes and and, and structures, um, and to to kind of be the forerunner in a lot of these technologies um, while we're waiting for that the larger um, regulatory approvals to go through. There there needs to be. There needs to be a pilot home or some demonstration. You can't go just from uh, material on a on a bench to a fully certified product used in dozens of homes overnight. It's a long process, and we we like having a small part in helping move those move those uh, processes along.
0: Now, speaking of pilot homes, Sate was very recently involved in the construction of a pilot home that's getting a lot of attention: uh, the Confluence House. Can you speak a little bit about that project?
1: Yeah, the Confluence House is a home out in, Wy- in the Wypress area, northeast of Calgary, um, further east than north, mind you. Um, it's built for a built for a family that really wanted to have a nice, environmentally friendly home um, that was good not only for the environment but also for the occupants. So very early in the stage of the in the process of the project, it was determined that they would follow the living building challenge and get full certification from that. And that, and the living building challenge is, is the most rigorous and strenuous uh, green certification system in the world right now. And it's basically when you have a building that's fully certified, you're basically certifying that the building is essentially and literally giving back to the environment it's constructed in. It's producing slightly more energy than the home consumes on an annual basis. It's having all of your own water on site it's looking at zero waste during the construction process and one of the one of the biggest aspects too of it is the materials used in the home uh the living futures institute who administers the living building challenge they've developed a red list of materials that are proven to be bad for for people and and for the environment um that red list includes vinyl so pvc vinyl windows and and it's amazing the amount of products in a home but through the course of the Living Building Challenge certification, we go through every product that's used in the construction of the home, and also including appliances and the products in in those appliances and things being moved into the home, verifying that there are no red list products. Um, and right now, we're we're doing monitoring of of the the Confluence House to to prove the impact of of having those green materials on the indoor air quality, and 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 we're checking in with with that family regularly, and and they're quite happy with with their home. And and it's interesting with the past couple years of the pandemic around the world, uh, indoor air quality and and occupant health in buildings has been been front of mind. So it's a really fun part of research for us to be able to dive into more, and we'll be doing more moving forward and looking at indoor air quality. How do building materials affect that and also proper ventilation and heating systems um, how, do, how do they impact the indoor air quality as well?
0: And the confluence house is also just it's not just environmentally friendly. it's also really a beautiful house uh, for our listeners. Yep. I will post a link uh, to some of the photos of the house in the show notes so you can check it out. It is really beautiful house. Um, I really like the kitchen. I'm jealous.
1: An interesting fact about that kitchen, it was recycled we we partnered with with denka cabinets in in calgary and that was one of their showroom kitchens that they were going to phase out and and potentially toss out the, the cool thing about denka cabinets is they're a very environmentally uh, conscious cabinet builder in town here in calgary and they try and sell their showroom kitchens rather than just throw them out so we were the right place at the right time the the family liked the look of that kitchen so that, that kitchen, I believe, more than 90% of it, uh, 75 to 90%, I should say, is, is from that showroom kitchen which with just a few uh, fill-in pieces um, added. So it's really kind of proving the, the green um, objectives of, of that home to reuse materials where possible um, rather than having new stuff manufactured.
0: Not not that I think that this is anything I'm going to be doing anytime soon, but how does one get SATE to build them a pilot house? Like, what is that process? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a bit of a process. It, it starts with reaching out. And one, one of the key areas where we like to operate as well is in not, we do not compete with the construction industry. Our focus is to fill the gap between what's available in the industry and what's needed for for future climate goals. We have that federal goal of all buildings in 2030 being constructed to net zero ready, meaning all you need to do is add solar panels and then it's gonna produce as much electricity as it consumes over the course of a year. So we on our pilot homes, we will partner with with local builders or or local in the area of of where the where the home's going. And also material manufacturers it's a question of what are we what are we testing what are we looking at with this with this house and it all starts with with reaching out to us anybody can reach out to myself or our research manager Melanie Ross and we're more than happy to start a conversation and see see where we can where we can take your green dreams
0: okay that is really cool I think that some of our listeners are probably going to consider that Um, (laughs) last question before we go um, what what excites you the most about the green building technology space right now? Like what are you really looking forward to that's like not quite there yet, but you're hoping to see on the market in the next, you know, 5 years or so?
1: So I have I have two things I'm really excited about and these are kind of I guess I'd say categories and and first is the the biomaterials uh, movement which which in Alberta has been largely fueled through through Alberta Innovates initiatives and and the Innotech center there. I've done a bit of work in the past looking at hemp and how it can be used, excuse me, how it can be used as um, an insulation material in the construction of, of buildings and and it's really cool to see the Innotex facility and the research they've been doing internally and with industry partners on on bringing hemp related construction materials to market. but there's a whole lot of other realms within the biomaterials that that's up and coming, and Alberta Innovates is doing an amazing job of supporting that, and I'm excited I hope we'll be able to be directly involved in some of those projects and then also. I'm looking into personally, I look at the struggles the world is having right now with plastics recycling and the issues with that. So I'm I'm mindful of how can we develop new plastics um, based materials that utilize recycled plastics and especially those plastics that are denied at the recycling center. How can we make good use of them in building and construction products? So that's one of the areas where I've been keen on diving into in the past couple years. And, and I think that's a perfect place to get a nice made in Alberta solution.
0: That sounds amazing. I would love that. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Ben. Um, hopefully we can catch up in Calgary during InVentures, which is, of course, coming up right away. Um, but yeah, thank you for, for being here today.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.
0: This has been our Taming Urban Jungles episode of Shift. Thank you for listening. Want more content like this? Join us at InVentures June 1st to 3rd in Calgary. Tickets are available online at InVenturesCanada.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our final episode in this series, focused on how we're navigating to net zero.